Karen, I was nine years old when World War II ended back in 1945. You couldn't get news back then by way of television even, or iPhones or the internet. So what were the primary ways people were informed about what was happening? Well, I was only two years old when the Second World War ended, but my response to your question is that people stayed informed probably by means of radio and newspapers. Am I right? That's pretty much where their information Mm -hmm. came from. Welcome to the Before We Go podcast featuring Dr. David Maines and his wife, noted author Karen Maines. Here's David and Karen Maines. The most famous of the war broadcasters was Edward R. Murrow. He actually had a number of team members who worked with him from various strategic foreign locations. Old-timers like me still remember names like Robert Trout and Ned Calmer. Then, totally separate from the Edward R. Murrow team, there were also independent radio news reporters like Gabriel Heater. What a name, huh? Gabriel Heater. I remember him for always starting his broadcast with the words, There's good news tonight. The Yanks are giving it to the enemy. So in our series on the book of Revelation, we have been in some tough chapters. Can I assume that's going to change now for the better? Yep, nothing but good news from the front. (laughs) From now to the end of the book, which means that for this visit about Revelation as well. Can I up front give our sentence for these chapters? Yeah, sure, go ahead. Knowing ahead of time the outcome of the critical global battle of Armageddon, Christians should not only stand tall, but also bow low before their incomparable leader. Lots of material to cover, five chapters. Let's get right into it, okay? In Revelation chapter 16, seven angels are given seven bowls of God's wrath to pour on the enemy. And that's what they proceed to do. Please read verse 2 of chapter 16 as the first example. The first angel went and poured out his bowl on the land. And ugly and painful sores broke out on the people who had the mark of the beast and worshipped his image. Okay, we're going to skip the verses describing God's bulls of wrath number 2 to number 5. But this bad news concerns the enemy. And let's pick up the narrative at verse 12 of Revelation 16. The sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great river Euphrates. And its water was dried up to prepare the way for the kings from the east. Then I saw three evil spirits that looked like frogs. They came out of the mouth of the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. Okay, now it explains what those are. Go ahead. They're spirits of demons performing miraculous signs, and they go out to the kings of the whole world to gather them for the battle on the great day of God Almighty. We'll skip a couple verses here. Then they gathered the kings together to the place that in Hebrew is called Armageddon. So this evil trio, they're trying to trick so they get all the military might of the world to gather at this one place. The primary source I've been using to help me in this series has been Professor George Eldon Ladd of Fuller Seminary. He's with the Lord now, but he wrote, The word Armageddon is difficult. The Hebrew equivalent would translate the mountain of Megiddo. The problem is that Megiddo is not a mountain, but it's a place located between the Sea of Galilee on the east, and then if you go west, you're going to hit what? The Mediterranean. Yeah, so it's this part of the valley that was called Jezreel, and it was a famous battleground in the history of Israel. You can see that on a map of Israel even now, right? Whatever the derivation of the name, it's clear that John meant by Armageddon the place where the final struggle between the powers of evil and the kingdom of God take place. I'm going to read verses 18 to 21, then we will talk about them, okay? Kind of picture this in your mind. Then there came flashes of lightning, rumblings, peals of thunder, and a severe earthquake. 
No earthquake like it has ever occurred since mankind has been on earth. So tremendous was the quake. The great city split into three parts, and the cities of the nations collapsed. This is bigger than just the Armageddon area. God remembered Babylon the Great and gave her the cup filled with the wine of the fury of his wrath. Every island fled away, and the mountains could not be found. From the sky, huge hailstones, each weighing about a hundred pounds, fell on people. And they cursed God on account of the plague of hail because the plague was so terrible. God isn't playing by the rules of modern warfare. It's interesting that we have this present-day news report of Iran that experienced that earthquake that took down those huge buildings. I mean, it's kind of a parallel illustration in a way. Mm-hmm. How interesting is that? So, that, But this will be much, much larger than that. Oh, this is worldwide in yeah. scope. This is rivaling what happened in Egypt when God slayed all the firstborn of the whole great uh-huh. nation. God is quite creative in the way he does things. He's not <laughs> limited in his imagination. Well, when he wants to get humankind's attention, he seems to use nature quite a bit because he commands it totally and fully. Yeah, he sends he in an to... army of locusts. <laughs> yeah, right. He sends fire. Elijah yeah. says, okay, show fire who you are. Now. Yeah, uh-huh. A couple other things okay. as far as I'm thinking of how God works sometimes. The plagues of Egypt. Frogs, gnats. He sends snakes into Israel. Darkness. Mountains that can't be found. I knew there was a mountain over there, but where is it? Or islands that are gone. This is huge, what is taking place. But it gives you a feel in terms of the scope of it. The Armageddon scene is massive. Now we're going to change, and we're going to leave that scene and come to a new chapter. Go ahead. Okay, so we're into a new chapter and a new topic. This is Revelation chapter 17, and I'm reading verses 1 and 2. And that's Apostle John again. This is a vision he's having. Mm -hmm. One of the angels who had the seven bowls of God's wrath came and said to me, Come, I will show you the punishment of the great prostitute who sits on many waters. So this is the new topic, the great prostitute who sits on many waters. So she's sitting on many waters, but these waters you saw where the prostitute sits, what are they? Verse 15 of this chapter gives clarification. There are peoples, multitudes, nations, and languages. And what does that sound like to you? Well, it doesn't sound like a rural scene. Mm-hmm. You know, a babbling brook and birds chirping a soft rain. These are kind of big city descriptions or sounds. Noise, confusion, people on the go, many languages, hustlers, whatever. Okay? With her, this great prostitute, the kings of the earth committed adultery. Then the angel carried me away in the spirit into a desert. There I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast that was covered with blasphemous names. Oh, and man, he, man, man, I know who this is. Keep going. And had seven heads and ten horns. Do you understand who or what's being described here? Well, I think it's the Antichrist she's sitting on, right? Yeah, she's sitting with or on. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. Then. Yeah, this woman is in cahoots with the unholy trio, mm-hmm. you know, with Satan, the Antichrist, and mm-hmm. the false prophet. They're in cahoots. So there's a description of her. The woman was dressed in purple and scarlet and was glittering with gold, precious stones and pearls. So she's kind of an attractive image in a rough way. Maybe. She held a golden cup in her hand filled with abominable things and the filth of her adulteries. This title was written on her forehead. Mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of prostitutes and of the abominations of the earth. I saw that the woman was drunk with the blood of the saints. Wow. The blood of those who bore testimony to Jesus. When I saw her, I was greatly astonished. Not somebody you want to have over to your house (laughs) to have a conversation. Yeah, ominous, right. Then the angel said to me, Why are you so astonished? 
I will explain to you the mystery of the woman and of the beast she rides, the Antichrist, which has the seven heads and the ten horns. Unfortunately, her explanation isn't all that easy to follow in the short amount of time we have, so I'm going to make it a rabbit trail that we can chase down maybe another time. But I want us to read the last sentence in the chapter. This woman you saw, this prostitute, is the great city that rules over the kings of the earth. What city does that sound like to you? Well, given when this was written by John after Christ's death, Mm -hmm. I'm thinking that the city that rules over the kings of the earth sounds to me like he meant Rome. Yeah, I think everyone would pretty much agree with what you've just said. This scarlet woman is a synonym for Rome, and not only for Rome, imperial Rome, the whole of the Roman Empire. That's the subject of chapter 18 and the first half of 19. So we're going to hear what will happen to this great city, and we're going to read directly from the scriptures, okay? okay? Start it out. After this, I saw another angel coming down from heaven. He had great authority, and the earth was illuminated by his splendor. With a mighty voice, he shouted, Fallen! Fallen is Babylon the Great! I can hear that air resounding with that cry, can you? (laughs) Uh, Then there's a great angel saying it, yeah. Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. She has become a dwelling for demons and a haunt for every impure spirit, a haunt for every unclean bird, a haunt for every unclean and detestable animal. For all the nations have drunk the maddening wine of her adulteries. The kings of the earth committed adultery with her, and the merchants of the earth grew rich from her excessive luxuries. Then I heard another voice from heaven say, Come out of her, my people, so that you will not share in her sins, so that you will not receive any of her plagues, for her sins are piled up to heaven, and God has remembered her crime. Yeah, there's very strong verses. Continuing, again, reading directly from God's word. Give her as much torment and grief as the glory and luxury she gave herself. In her heart she boasts, I sit enthroned as queen. I am not a widow. I will never mourn. Therefore, in one day, her plagues will overtake her. Death, mourning, and famine. She will be consumed by fire, for mighty is the Lord God who judges her. And then we have this jubilee sort of. Rejoice over her, you heavens. Rejoice, you people of God. Rejoice, apostles and prophets, for God has judged her with the judgment she imposed on you. I want to say hallelujah. (laughs) (laughs) Going back to the text. After this, I heard what sounded like the roar of a great multitude in heaven shouting, Hallelujah! Salvation and glory and power belong to our God, for true and just are his judgments. He has condemned the great prostitute who corrupted the earth by her adulteries. He has avenged on her the blood of his servants. And again, now this is a choir. (laughs) Go for it. Hallelujah. The smoke from her goes up forever and ever. Then I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like the roar of rushing waters and like loud peals of thunder shouting, Hallelujah for our Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory. For the wedding of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. When he says the wedding of the Lamb has come, it means, okay, we're at the end of the world. But in all of this, something hasn't happened. That is that Jesus hasn't come back. I think it's kind of neat in Revelation. You have no word of the king coming back, Uh because when that happens, if it's written down, then people will plan ahead. Uh You know, they've got it on the calendar. No one knows, but now that fact is going to be established. And I think when you read these verses, you will say that sounds like a continuation of that battle of Armageddon and Mm -hmm. all the terrible things that happened after that. Continue going, Karen. 
I saw the heaven standing open, and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful True. Again, white represents yeah, virtue or that's Christ. That's good. Yeah, I said good news. This is yeah, good, good news. news. Okay. With justice, he judges and wages war. His eyes are like blazing fire, and on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood, and his name is the Word of God. The armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Coming out of his mouth is a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty on his robe and on his thigh. He has this name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. I love it. This short paragraph then follows... And I saw an angel standing in the sun who cried in a loud voice to all the, and you don't expect this next word, he cried in a loud voice to all the birds flying in midair. Come, gather together for the great supper of God, so that you may eat the flesh of kings, generals, and the mighty of horses and their riders, and the flesh of all people, free and slave, great, small. Got a big menu tonight. (laughs) Yeah. Go ahead. Okay, we know now that some battles of importance, days and weeks and months, right? Okay. This one is over rather quickly. Then I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to wage war against the rider and the horse and his army. But the beast was captured. And with it, the false prophet who had performed the signs on its behalf. With these signs, he had deluded those who had received the mark of the beast and worshipped its image. The two of them were thrown alive into the fiery lake of burning sulfur. And we all say, yay! Laughing, whistling. The rest were killed with the sword coming out of the mouth of the rider on the horse. And all the birds gorged themselves on their flesh. Yeah, okay. And all the birds got the treat they were promised. Kind of leaves you breathless, doesn't Hmm. it? What was the summary sentence we wrote out, Karen? Here it is again, okay? Knowing ahead of time the outcome of the critical global battle of Armageddon, Christians should not only stand tall, but also bow low before their incomparable leader. Thing is, we get to be on the winning side of what's going on when the world as we know it comes to an end. Wow. Mm -hmm. History is headed inexorably toward a bloody global showdown between the forces of good and evil, light and darkness, Christ and the Antichrist, God and Satan, which the devil wins, however, only temporarily. Followers of Jesus need to understand this and prepare themselves accordingly. Mm -hmm. How many times have I read that sentence over and over again Mm -hmm. through this series? Next visit, we will conclude the book of Revelation as we talk about chapters 20, 21, and 22. Yeah, that's the whole judgment, the white uh-huh. throne judgment, and then the beauty of the new Jerusalem uh-huh. coming down to Wonderful. heaven. Yeah, yeah. People will like that. I said there was going to be all good news. To quote Gabriel Heater, there's good news tonight. Frontline good news, the enemy is taking a pounding. <laughs> How's wonderful. that for an ending? <laughs> I think in closing, I'd like to quote a well-known radio man, too. He came a bit after those you referred to earlier, and it's Paul Harvey. And the line he used so often was, and now you know the rest of the story. Thank you. You've been listening to the Before We Go podcast. And if you would like to write to us, please send us an email at the following address, hosts at beforewego.show. That's all lowercase letters, hosts at beforewego.show. 
If you've enjoyed this podcast, please remember to rate, review, and share on whatever platform you listen. This podcast is copyright 2023 by Mainstay Ministries, Post Office Box 30, Wheaton, Illinois, 60187.